remarks. So it's a day long that uh, been doing. We've done a few times uh, over the last uh, years, and uh, you know it's it's meant to kind of be an opportunity for people to somewhat set intention. Uh, but I just think that. Um, this time of year is a really important time of year for people in recovery to affirm their recovery, sometimes to begin their recovery, sometimes to reestablish their recovery. Uh, but it's you know it's a time that uh, those of us, particularly who were alcoholics and, and addicts, um, tended to uh, behave particularly badly, if you will. Uh, it was really the time in my troubled youth uh, when uh, when it felt like there was an excuse to just go all out. <clears throat> and and I remember uh, my first uh, couple of uh, years sober, my first couple of holiday seasons sober, how important it was for me to really stay close to the program. And how kind of... Um, There was something sort of wonderful about being clean and sober at this time of year. You know, it's very countercultural to not drink and use at this time of year. And and I always liked being different, so it was nice to be different. Uh, New Year's Eve, uh, particularly as, way, as we call it, amateur night in the right in the in the AA. Thing. Um, you know, to just uh, see it completely differently. Uh, there's a, sp- a special kind of delight uh, in in uh, the innocence, I think, of it, of, of being clean and sober. <clears throat> so, so today we'll do some meditation, obviously. That's uh, always central to pretty much any event at Spirit Rock. Uh, and and really talk about meditation. And, and that's something that's uh, perennial, that's year-round, uh, year after year. doesn't depend on a season uh, for us to do that. And then, as I say, kind of uh, reflect on, on uh, particularly going forward, so some intention-setting work we can do. But uh, uh, before we sit, and as we, there will probably be a few people who will arrive late, so I like to let them kind of come in before we start our meditation. Um, I just want to make a few reflections um, because uh, uh, my uh, one of my brothers is actually visiting. Uh, just visited for the for a day, which is about as much time as we can safely spend together. Uh, I have four older brothers. I'm the youngest of five, and, and uh, of course, they made a huge imprint on my life. And uh, my my brother Jerry, who was who has been visiting, he's ten years older than me, and and looks like he's younger than me, which kind of pisses me off. But uh, that's this thing exercise that he's always done, and, and really healthy diet, which I can't, don't quite understand, but. Um, his first marriage, though, happened uh, on December twenty seventh, nineteen sixty two, and uh, I, I 
for some reason, I always remember that I was 12 years old, and so now you know how old I am if you're any good at math. Um, and he was 22, and and in college at Yale, and uh, you know, I don't know why he got married. I'm sure he doesn't. He he probably just wanted to get laid. I'm not sure, but. <laughs> I suspect having been brought up Catholic, he felt guilty about the whole thing and figured that was the only way to... Uh, but anyway, uh, the, the woman he married actually was very close with our family and and she, uh, she's I'm, I'm still very close with her. She's kind of like my my sister that I never had. And, uh, and he's close with her. But anyway, that moment, uh, uh, I remember it every year, uh, December 27th, and I think nobody else is thinking about his wedding anniversary that's you know, from his divorce that happened. The divorce is over 50 years old, you know. Uh, but it occurred to me that in a way it was, uh, I've come to, uh, just in the last few days, I, I started to call it the last day of my childhood, you know, uh, like because uh, I was on the verge of 13, which was the beginning of the end, really, of of my childhood for sure. And uh, and within two years, I was experiencing depression, and a couple of years after that, uh, I started to drink, and that was, yeah, all predictable from there. But um, so uh, so I th- I think about this time of year. It has a lot of, and 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 I know that many of us have kind of connections to this time of year. Uh, you know, someone who's very close to me lost her brother at a. Uh, in her early 20s at that point. You know, her brother died. And, you know, anybody who's lost someone during the holidays, it's kind of like it always comes up, right? But there's all these memories. And that the bigger the bigger picture for me is es- essentially seasonal affective disorder. Like, how many of you have feel you might have a seasonal affective disorder? Yeah. So uh, if you don't know what it is, you're probably about to realize that you have it. So <laughs> basically, you get depressed in the winter, you know. And, uh, you know, because the sun and all the whatever, if you want to create it, there's uh, different reasons for it, right? Uh, whether it's vitamin D deficiency or it's uh, the astrological or it's uh, the lack of sunlight. and um, But... Uh, I st- when I started to experience depression, which was before I became an alcoholic, which is an important fact for me, just because I know I have two diseases, not just one. Important to know that, like, oh, not drinking won't solve that, you know. Um, I started to experience depression in late fall, and and then for for years and years and years, every year that time would come, and I would have a feeling of dread. Uh, it's kind of the November dread. And I, raised on the East Coast, November is really dreadful. Uh, and uh, and then it gets worse from there. So, uh, you know, all of that. And then there's something about, uh, you know, this is... Uh, I want to apologize now for just everything that I'm doing right now, but um, just because uh, this might not seem like it has anything to do with anything, but I hope it does. Uh, uh, for those of you, and there, uh, some of you here have been with me for years, so you know this is kind of a process for me, is, is entering into a day long. Uh, 
But you combine this kind of seasonal thing, and then there's this like moment of joyful chaos that really doesn't solve anything, and in fact makes things worse. You know, the hol- we call it the holidays, right? You know, one one of my theories is that Christmas. As a child, you always you never got the thing you really wanted. I don't know. Maybe some of you did get the pony, but I didn't. And and then it was a drum set, and I never got the drum. You know, and that that leaves a permanent scar. Christmas comes, and you know subconsciously you're not going to get what you want, right? But then when you start drinking and using, it's like, oh, this is the solution. I'll just party through the holidays, right? And then January comes, and the hangover comes, and the emotional crash comes. And, and so if there's depression involved in that too, I mean, it's just a really dangerous little cocktail, if, you'll, if you will, <laughs> <laughs> that you know, doesn't really start to get cleared up until spring. Uh, and I, I don't know how many people this resonates for, if, it's, if you have experiences like that, but, but this is kind of how I hold this whole time of year. And, and I have to tell you, like, right about now, I start to get scared. Like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? And, and thankfully, for the last almost 15 years, I've taught this course, this f- intensive course, college course, in January that it, like, forces me to, like, get back to work, you know, <laughs> like, and get on schedule and get up in the morning, and you know, because uh, otherwise I could just feel like I could just drift away, you know. Um, so there's this thing about starting the year over. So a couple other reflections. Now, the, part of the problem of this time of year comes, goes back to Roman times, and some of you probably know this probably better than I do. I know little fragments of this, but that the Roman calendar didn't quite fill up the 365 days, so there was kind of a week open that they have Saturnalia between Christmas and New Year's when all rules were you know, just abandoned and people just could do what they wanted. And it's kind of like we still have a little of that in our DNA, right? the, the, this kind of confusion. And, and the, the problem, again, the problem for me and as an alcoholic is like I can't like just have fun and then go back to being normal. Because for me, like, I don't want the fun to end. And so either I try to keep the fun going when it's really not appropriate when you need to be getting up in the morning and going to work, or I just get really like depressed because the fun is over. So uh, all of this is part of, for me, like, oh, shit, we really need to have a day long in, at the end of December so people won't get crazy. So maybe this day is just for me. I don't know. <laughs> Could be. My brother's wife died last summer and my brother's as i say he's so he's she was a couple years she was about 80 and she had had uh like uh a lot of painful health things for years and years and years and uh brilliant uh wonderful woman powerful feminist and actually politically engaged uh a transformative kind of person 
And um, after she died, my brother told me that he realized that he'd been completely self-centered in his relationship with her for their 40 years together. And uh, my brother is odd, which probably wouldn't surprise you if you know me, know me at all. Um, and But, um, you know, his reflections on his personality, basically, was what you're talking about, you know, uh, couldn't help, help but kind of resonate for me because uh, I have just a tad bit of self-centeredness myself. And uh, so, as I say, when I'm teaching, it's kind of, I do it for myself and then if some if it's beneficial to someone else that's really good and and just uh kind of an accident um, so uh there you go uh, that's my preemptive apology um, and I see a lot of faces that I haven't seen before, so I'm just curious how many people are at Spirit Rock for the first time well. So that means you're probably seeing me for the first time. So people who know me, if you could talk to those people okay, <laughs> during the break and try to explain me to them, that would be helpful. Because uh, I don't quite believe in teaching, per se, that I'm up here to give you something, but rather that you know, my teaching comes a lot out of being in Alcoholics Anonymous for 33 years, which is that I kind of share, you know, and I've got a lot of experience, strength, and hope. Uh, and yeah, I know a lot about meditation and Buddhism, and that will come out uh, as the day goes on, but it's not so much that, that I want to, like, implant something in you or tell you how your program should be or how you should meditate, but rather, I, I'd rather first of all, inspire you and motivate you and help you to feel normal (laughs) uh, in your struggles, in your life. Um, And so uh, one of the ways that I try to uh, normalize uh, being human, (laughs) if that sounds a little redundant, but uh, is uh, to not try to be a guru, you know, uh, I actually, I love my teachers, but my relationship to them is somewhat painful because I've, uh, it was at one time, I should say it's not so much anymore, but at one time I kind of had this, oh, they're so special I could never be like them, I'm a loser, failure myself because I'm not like them. Which, and, and I've, as a teacher, I've tried to uh, not... Uh, set off that kind of projection in people. So uh, that, that sometimes, sometimes I get, might go too far and just look like an idiot, but that's the price I pay. Um, so uh, that's probably enough um, to get us at least rolling here. Um, Well, I, I, I guess the other question I kind of want to ask is about recovery. So uh, how many people here are in their first... Uh, well, first of all, I know everybody here isn't necessarily an alcoholic and a drug addict, so that's, which is nice for you, you know. 
So this question doesn't so much relate, maybe, if you're in Al-Anon or Coda or uh, some similar program, but I'll say, uh, how many of you are in your first two years of abstinence if you are in an addict recovery program? Okay, that's good. Yeah. Um, so one other thing I will say about my approach to to teaching about Buddhism and twelve steps and, and Dharma and recovery is I don't I'm not trying to give you a program and I really think it's up to you to keep yourself sober. Not, I'm not going to give you some special tool for that. Uh, that. I got that in AA, and so uh, and I know that everybody doesn't like that program and there are other programs like refuge recovery but um, I don't feel so much that my job is to like get you or keep you sober uh, my what I think of as my work is to help you to deepen your recovery and deepen the spiritual elements of your recovery and broaden your recovery and and uh, help it to really bloom and blossom uh, uh so, so yeah, so asking about the sort of two years, I know you don't think you're a newcomer at two years, but I'm, I've been sober 33 years, so I, I, I look at the first two years as kind of the key sort of build, building the foundation. Um, so uh, I don't know if I can help you, but you're here, so that's, you're helping yourself. That's the key. So let's let's do some sitting, and this will be about half an hour for those of you who like to know how long we're going to meditate. So sitting in a chair, it's best if you can get both feet on the floor, and if, if your feet don't reach the floor, you can put like a, a blanket or a zabitan or something under your feet. Uh, but you want to be sitting very in a very stable way. And yes, you are more than welcome to uh, take a zabutan and sit on the floor in a, some kind of lotus posture or something very stable and balanced. Uh, you can move that thing out of the way as much as you need and uh, really make yourself at home. This is our, this is our space for the day. <clears throat> 